let's open our Bibles. Acts chapter 20. Uh, are any of you familiar with uh, the concept of the last lecture? Anybody heard that phrase before? Uh, professor typically, some academician uh, is getting ready to retire. Uh, there's famous ones out there and, and less so, but last lecture, and typically they speak a little bit kind of in their field, and they also kind of do life lessons. Uh, today is Paul's last lecture. It's one of the uh, um, uh, last times where it is the only time in the book of Acts that we have actually Paul speaking to the church, just the church. Um, and so it's his last lecture, and we'll see why. He's headed to Jerusalem. There's lots of uh, stuff that awaits him there, uh, but we're picking that up. That's kind of the theme today. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to preach fast if you'll listen fast. Is that good? you guys. Uh, okay, uh, we have communion coming, and we get to, we get to participate in that, and so I, I am excited about where this text is going to leave us. So in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 17, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So Paul is there in modern-day Turkey, and he brings them down, uh, the, the elders of the church, the leaders of the local church in Ephesus, verse 18. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know, so here's the last lecture, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So well, let's just pause right there because Paul starts with an example. He, he looks uh, at this, this group of church leaders and he says, hey, you want to do something? You need to follow my example. You know how I lived. You know how I lived. The whole time from the first time that I set foot in Asia, and, and when he says Asia, he's really talking about uh, a kind of modern day Turkey. And then verse 19, how did he live? Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility. So let's just start there. Uh, this is a good place for us to uh, um, find our example with Paul and hear how he uh, um, set this out, <clears throat> excuse me, for, the, for these elders. Uh, he said, in terms of his example, what, what kind of example did he set? He said, I lived humbly. There's a, there's a real danger of taking spiritual heroes or other kinds of heroes and setting them up on a pedestal because it's not very long before the world quakes or the wind blows and they fall off. Has anybody ever seen that happen before ever? Everybody has seen it happen. So Paul says, you leave humbly. He lived humbly. Now, this is so critical. We think about the apostle Paul, hero in the New Testament. All of that's true. You know what he wasn't? Perfect. He lived humbly. In fact, uh, he has something in common with us. There's not a perfect person in this entire room. Can you believe that? Not a single one of us, me included. Just because there's a platform and a Bible and a microphone, none of us are perfect. And so we need to live humbly. In fact, the Bible says that God is the one who gives grace to the humble. The opposite of that is proud, uh, to be proud. And he says he opposes the proud. Do you want to be on that side of the fight? No. So we live humbly. We take this example from Paul to live humbly. No perfect people in here. Therefore, we can just take a proper assessment of ourselves. Verse 18, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. So the second thing he says about his example is, I taught you the Bible. 
I taught you the Bible. And it says in two different venues, he says, I taught it to you publicly and from house to house. So publicly looks a lot more like this, uh, kind of the public declaration of God's word. We need that. We need people um, to stand up and tell us and help us understand it. But also house to house where there's more conversation that happens uh, in our uh, day and age. It would be our Sunday school classes and our small groups, places where you can get to know people and talk about the things that God has spoken to you. So those kind of two uh, uh, venues, if you will, those two environments in which God did this, but he, uh, in which Paul did this, but he says, I taught you the Bible. That's one of the examples that we want to follow. And why is that so critical for us to follow? Because um, we'll see it here in even just a little bit. The serious nature of, of what is happening around us. Like that, that's why it's important. Um, can we just talk, translate it to our day and age? Um, people in this room, don't raise your hand, please. People in this room, uh, people that we know are struggling in their marriages. Um, parenting is hard. Nobody said amen to that when I see. Maybe you're sitting next to your kids or something. I don't know. Some of us need wisdom. God, we're facing a decision and we don't know. So, some of us need guidance. Lord, it's going to be A or it's going to be B. And honestly, I could flip a coin. Like, I I need you to help me understand which is going uh, to be the best. Some of us need strength, the kind of strength and the kind of person that that comes with perseverance of God, Monday's coming, and I just need strength to do Monday. Just give me Monday kind of strength so that I can be done with Monday, and then Tuesday will come, and I'll take Tuesday strength. But I just need strength for what I'm facing right this like what's right there in front of you, strength and a constant perseverance. Uh, th- those are big things at stake. So, some of us need salvation. We need God to step into our lives and, and save us and deliver us from the things that are in our lives because of choices that we make or because of choices that were made for us. When Paul says, I taught you the Bible and publicly and house to house, why is that an important example to follow? Why? Because of what's at stake. There's so many serious issues in this room right here, much less um, in, in the world around us. And then lastly, under this example, verse, we're going to kick back up to verse 19 for just a second. Um, he served the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Did you see that? Tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So he was saying, I embrace hardship. This is an example to follow. As Paul's given us this last lecture, it's an example to follow. I embrace hardship. Sometimes we're walking along and, and things are going great. And, and he just says, there's stuff that other people did to me that I just had to endure. I just had to deal with that stuff. We've seen chapter after chapter of this unfold where he'd go to a town and tell them about Jesus and he'd get run out of town or uh, they would throw stones at him or they'd have a riot or any number of things over and over and over again. He said, I'm just walking along and these plots, these issues, they they would come my way. These are trials and tribulations. So when you and I are walking along and things happen to us, we just embrace the hardship, but that's not all. Look at verse 21, excuse me, verse 22. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So if I get that message, I'm thinking about going to a different city. Who's with me on that? Yes. 
Paul is saying here, there are times when not only when we're walking along and and hardship kind of comes our way, we embrace it. There are times when the more difficult path is the preferred path. Why? Well, because God wants you there. God wants to finish something in you that that, that is not going to get done elsewhere. Uh, God wants to show you something along the way. Uh, uh, Maybe God wants to do something for somebody else while you're walking that path. There are times when the more difficult path is, a, is, a, is the better path. It's the preferred path. That is another way that we embrace, embrace hardship. Not just, hey, this is, this is kind of coming my way. I'm going to embrace it. But now I'm choosing this other way. Uh, I, I think about that we uh, had a party yesterday at our house. Our little ones, one's turning seven tomorrow. Um, nine kids, you know, kind of in that younger age in, uh, in our house and stuff. Plenty of noise, plenty of sugar, all of that kind of stuff. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Out of the nine, three of them were adopted or were in foster care. Who embraces that kind of life? The people who say, this is the better path. It's hard. Yes, it's hard. But this is the, this is the better path. And indeed, God does good things there. And Paul's saying, sometimes hardship comes your way. That's true. Sometimes we actually take the harder route because it's the preferred path. I think that's really critical. The second uh, of of these kind of four big pieces of his last lecture, we have example. He was setting an example. He did. He set an example for us to follow. But also he set some goals for us to attain to. Look at verse 24. But I don't account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So here's, here's goals. Example, we got that in Paul. But also he's setting out some goals. What's his primary goal here? I want to finish the race. I want to finish the race. Did you see that there? All I want to do is just finish this course and, and fulfill this ministry that God has for me. The, the, the only people who talk this way are people who don't define success as possessions, um, as influence, as relationships, as uh, um, uh, power or knowledge or accolades or degrees, who don't define success as achievements or accomplishments or recognition or anything else. The people who talk like this are the people who say, Faithfulness equals success. The only way that I'm going to define success in my life is being faithful to what God has given me to do. It's hard, but I'm going to be faithful. It's tough. I'm going to be faithful. It's dark. I'm going to be faithful. And I just want to be a person who finishes the race. And some of us are at places in our lives where we're like, hey, the lap that I'm on right now, I ain't doing anybody any favors with this thing. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to round that corner, and it's going to be, I, I'm out. I just say to us as a church family, um, uh, we're a second-half team. You know what I mean? Like, like, we live in the greatest comeback story of all time. Like, Jesus died, and then he came back. I mean, like, that's, that, like, this is us. This is our story that we get to embrace. And so what I'm telling you is don't quit. It's hard. It's dark. It's frustrating. It's a way. Don't 
Quit. Don't quit. Finish the race that God has set out for you. Uh, Finish it. Some of you are at a place in your life where um, you're kind of in that late autumn, early winter season of your life, and you're thinking about uh, just a few more years before you meet Jesus. I'm telling you, run hard. Run hard. Go hard after it. Finish the race that God has set out for you. Cross the finish line. Say yes and amen, and then go to glory. Like you want to be that kind of person. We're second half people. That's who we are. And so let's define success as faithfulness. The other goal that Paul had, not only to finish the race, but he wanted you and me to be people who know God. And so he says at the end of verse 24, he's going to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then in verse 25, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about, uh, excuse me, proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So Paul says, I gave it all out, I laid it all out there so that you would know God. And if you and I are going to be people who achieve this goal and help others achieve this goal, two things are going to be true. One, we need to hear and understand the gospel. That's why he says, testify um, to the gospel of this God of ours, okay? What is the gospel? It is the good news. We're going to picture it here in just a little bit when we celebrate communion. It is the good news that Jesus has died in our place and for our sin, and he has come back from the dead to give life and freedom to everybody who puts their trust in him. We turn away from our sin, and we put our trust in Jesus, and and we are made new and different and and cleansed uh, by his grace, and then we get to live a whole different kind of life that lasts forever. That's the good news. So we hear and understand the gospel that he's died in our place and for our sin and rose again. But also that we hear and understand the Bible. He says um, that that he gave us the whole counsel. He didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel. There are parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. There are parts of the Bible in our day and age that don't make a lot of sense or whatever. But I'm telling you, the whole counsel of God is critical for us to know this God of the Bible. So we commit ourselves to that. I want you to know God. Those are his two goals. He sets an example for us, and he lays out two goals, and then he gives us a warning. Verse 28 actually gives us three warnings, but here's the first one. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. He's talking to the church leadership again, which he obtained with his own blood. He says, first of all, you need to pay attention to yourself and to, to those that you're doing this life with, to those that you're doing the Christian life with, to the, to the folks who you're in it with. Pay attention to yourself and to those folks. Why? Because there there are serious kind of uh, uh, things that are happening here, spiritual dynamics. Church life is not primarily organizational. It's not denominational. It's not social. Um, It's not uh, financial. It's not professional. Church life is about us as a family saying, hey, we're in this together, so I'm going to watch out over my own life, and I want to kind of watch out for, to see and make sure that the input that we're getting here is good, healthy input so that we can go together. He said it this way in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, the stuff that's coming in input-wise. Persist in this, for by doing so, what's going to happen? You will save both yourself 
and your hearers. Meaning what? That Timothy's going to be the Savior? No. Just, this is the way that we understand who God is and what he has done for us. We watch ourselves and we watch the inputs that we have here. Why is that really critical? The second warning, verse 29. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, like from the church leadership, uh, uh, will arise uh, men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. The reason why we keep a close watch on things and uh, on our lives and on the things, because there will be, uh, th- there will be wolves, there will be these kind of temptations that want to draw us away and, and eat us up, so to speak. People who, he says, will come in and speak twisted things, things that sound just almost right, but aren't right. Let me give you a couple of examples of why we must watch out. See see if these ring true. Here's some twisted things. Um, God wants you to be happy. Now listen, that is preached everywhere in our culture, but it's not in here. There's a lot of things that God wants for us, but that kind of happy, that's not one of them. So, We can't make, as people who follow Jesus, we don't get to make our ethical decisions based upon what makes me happy or feel happy in this moment. We get to base our ethical decisions on what God has said to be true. Here's another one, another twisted thing. If you just have enough faith um, or, or the right kind of faith, then God will give you what you want. Again, it's preached on TV late at night and they want you to send them money and stuff, but it's not in here. It's not here. Um, Sometimes the best gift that God gives us in Garth Brooks' language is unanswered prayer. (laughs) Here's a third twisted thing that somebody would say to draw you away. Um, Hey, I know that what once was, I mean, I know that at one time this was wrong, but now we're at a different moment and it's not so wrong anymore. Again, It's preached all over, but it's not in here. The Bible even talks about don't move the ancient landmarks. Like, don't move the line. You don't get to do that. You didn't draw it in the first place. So we have to be careful. We have to watch out, pay attention to ourselves and those that we're doing this life with and watch out because we don't want those kind of inputs coming. And lastly, verse 31, therefore be alert. That's the last one. Be alert. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, be alert, remembering that for three years I didn't cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. So you have this kind of internal struggle. So you've got, pay attention, you, you're looking out for one another, you're watching outside for the wolves, but then you also have to kind of look internally for yourself to go, man, I've got my own stuff too, things that would cause me to, to stumble or to walk away or to, to doubt or whatever. Therefore, I'm going to be alert and keep myself, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not taking a day off. I'm not taking a day off. I'm going to continually live as God wants me to live. And then last, Paul sets an example for us, and he establishes some goals for us. He gives us a warning. And then the last part, and this is the sweetest part, I think, he blesses us. Verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all these things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, 
We must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So back at verse 32, and now I commend you to God. You see that word commend there? I commend you to God. He's commending us to the word, to, to God and to the word of his grace. Commend, it's, a, it's an interesting word. It's, it's like a, the, the table setting, like Paul saying, I'm setting the table with the word for you. So uh, we've got some relatives in, uh, um, and for the, for the party last night, uh, yesterday, um, we uh, duct taped the kids to the wall and then left them there and then went to the whiskey cake for brunch. Anybody? Whiskey cake brunch? Anybody? Be proud if you've been there for whiskey cake for brunch. The rest of you are missing the heck out. I'm just telling you. And you go, and uh, they ordered some, you know, interesting things, um, Eggs Benedict and, and uh, like a breakfast Monte Cristo thing. Uh, but the brother-in-law and I, we were the smart ones. We got the chicken and waffles, which is a waffle with bacon cooked in there, soaked in the, I mean, the syrup's already like, like sponged in. Then they put chicken strips on top, and then they smother it in gravy, which you're like, this is what heaven is, you know, like, this is what they're going to serve. Like, you're going to sit down, and they'll be like, the angel will be like, hey, here's some chicken and water. And you're like, yes, I knew that was going to be the case. And so, so brother-in-law had not been there. I had been there. Brother-in-law had been there. And they bring it out, and we're just sitting there like, this is as good as it comes <laughs> right here, people. The table is set. So, if you can get your mind off of chicken and waffles just long enough to picture, that's what Paul's doing here. When he says, I'm commending you to this word, he's saying, there is chicken and waffles right there in front of you. Take it in. Take it in. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. And, and when we live into this word, there's so many promises that we get to live into and we get to experience of, uh, like we get to take in, like they become our life. And I just wrote down a few um, that seem pretty important around here and just see if these are true. Um, uh, Jesus reigns over everything. Not some things, not just the bad things, not just the good things. He reigns over everything. That's a good promise in our day and age. Who's with me on that? Okay, uh, here's some more. Uh, there is not a moment that I am alone. I can go up to the highest high. I can go down to the deepest deep, and God is still there with me. Who's good? Some of us this week walked through the Psalm 23, walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and we don't have to fear. Why? Because you are with me. That's what the Bible says, and this is great. Um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old stuff has gone away with all of the sin and shame and guilt and junk that comes with that and new stuff has come for anybody who puts their trust in Jesus the cleansing that is ours makes us new not 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 just like a better version of ourselves it makes us new and part of that is another incredible promise there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus all of the junk all of the sin that is, Jesus has taken all of it away he has not paid for some of it he has paid for all of it um, he says uh, that he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus and the promises that he, everything that we need, everything that we need for life and godliness. And he says in Jeremiah, uh, if you will call to me, I will answer you. Isn't that amazing? Like the God of the universe said, call to me and I will pick up the phone. Like no voicemail. I'll pick it up. 
And I will then tell you great and mighty things that you don't know. Um, you, some of you, feel this way sometimes, you, where you feel like, oh, God has forgotten me. But the Bible says, Isaiah 49, th- there would be a, a nursing mother who forgets her baby before I forget you. Why? Because I have engraven you. I have tattooed you on the very palm of my hand is what God says about you. Think about that. The trials that we go through have a purpose. They are not without purpose. In fact, God uses them to shape us. Um, if any of us lacks wisdom, let him call to me and uh, let him come and pray to me and I will give it to him liberally. And this is the one I just, I've been living in this particular passage in John 15 and the part about uh, the father's the vine dresser and I'm the, uh, I'm the vine and you're the branches and God goes to work and he goes pruning the vine. Anybody like pruning? Anybody? Want some stuff clipped off? That, you know, nobody likes that part where you're like, ah! And then he says this. Jesus, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus loves me like the Father loves him. Whew. What an incredible promise. And so we get to, as we are as the, the table is set before us, these are the kinds of things that are there. These are the kinds of things that are there. And that then allows us to be, this is where he goes, it just allows us to be so generous with our lives. Yes, with our money. Well, I'm not talking about money. They're so generous with our lives. We take Jesus at his word. It really is better to give than to receive. It really is. So we, we just offer our lives. We, we are so blessed that we get to be a blessing. And not just that, this is what he mentions here we get to help the weak and remember and so forth. Like we, we don't just get to be it when it comes our way. We as a people who are so blessed actually seek out opportunities to be a blessing. Is your week going to have any of those? Not, not just, oh, here's an opportunity for me to, be, but you actually seek out to be a blessing. I commend you to the kind of generosity that draws people to Jesus. Why? Because we follow a generous Jesus. We, we do. And, and we're going to move to communion here in just a second, but I didn't want to run past this verse. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This has nothing to do with your bank account, by the way. <laughs> for, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He left heaven rich to come to the earth poor, and not just come to the earth, but there, live perfectly and die sacrificially for our sin and in our place. He became poor so that you, me, us, so that you by his poverty, by his sacrifice might become rich. We might have an inheritance. An inheritance is what verse 32 says, an inheritance among those who are sanctified. God God sent Jesus. He took on poverty for us. He became um, the, the epitome of that for us in order that we might experience all of the wealth that he has for us. has nothing to do with your bank account. Nothing. has everything to do with the kind of life that you want to live. And so we, we come to communion to remember that God has left everything to pursue us and to pay for our sin that separated us. And then we get to celebrate everything that he has done for us.